Every team, every topic, everywhere. This is Believe. Oh, Jack. Jack O'Hara. Boy, you asked me some interesting questions, my man. It's a great question, Jack. Jack, hey, it's Josh Radder. Hey there, Jack O'Hara. It's Johnny Damon. Jack, so you had questions for me. Jack O'Hara? Absolutely. This message is for Jack O'Hara. Jack, how are you? Hey, Jack. Jack, hey, what's going on, man? How you doing? What's going on, Jack? Uh, listen, man, you know, you, you, you asked me a couple questions. Live and broadcasting around the world, you're listening to The O Show. In the show and uh, doing your thing, I mean, you've got some pr- pretty big name guests. I've seen your, your stuff, so congratulations on your success. Jack O'Hara. Much nicer guy than Conan O'Brien with much better interviewing skills. Don't forget to share this episode on your social media. Now, let's get to it. So boned. I forgot to get my girl tickets for the show tomorrow, and now it's sold out. It's her freaking birthday. Oh, dude. She's only gonna break up with you. She's definitely gonna break up with me. Should've used TickPick. Wait, what'd you say? TickPick. Look. Oh, whoa, whoa, whoa. What? There are no hidden fees. What'd you guys think I said? Oh, TickPick. I thought you said TickPick. No hidden fees. Download today. Jack Wilson, former All-Star shortstop, Pittsburgh Pirates, Seattle Mariners, Atlanta Braves as well. Thank you so much for uh, joining me. No, man, it's my pleasure. Happy to be here. So, we were talking before, you are still currently the head coach at Thousand Oaks Baseball. Yeah. school, your alma mater, Mm -hmm. going back there. And I guess right off the bat, you know, because, again, you being an All-Star shortstop in 2004, veteran infielder in the pros, you you go back. Like, what's the mentality for you to want to, again, go back and help the younger generation for, you know, the stars of the future, in a sense? Because at the high school level, you know, you have, like, that mix of people who are, again, like, in the midst of becoming young men. Right, yeah. aren't exactly quite there yet. You know, you have, yeah. have a few self-disciplined guys, and then you have the other Absolutely. guys you've probably dealt with that are still kind of getting there. Yeah, no, it's, uh, I just felt like I, you know, with what the game had given me on a personal level with, you know, um, obviously getting, uh, being able to play 12 years and, and like, getting to play baseball for a living and, uh, you know, doing it for a long time. So I felt like I, I kind of owed, owed it to the game to kind of give back. And when you're in the big leagues, you're learning from the best coaches. Yeah. You're watching the best players day in and day out, and you're learning so much that it's it's kind of that information is, is gold for a young player. If you can if you can translate it to where they're at at their career, and, uh, and it could really help them out. It could really help them turn a corner. And I, my goal was always to send guys off to college really smart and mm-hmm. able to, to adapt to the college level and the speed of the game you know, teaching them the same things I was taught in the big league level. So I just want guys to be really, really smart on top of their, their regular talent. That way, uh, you know, a lot of that will stick out to a college coach, you know, the intelligence of a baseball player. Yeah, and, like, again, that's a very tough age to kind of, like, form and mold those guys and developing yeah. those types of not necessarily personalities, but those mentalities to, again, be very self-disciplined, be professional ball players. Right. Because at that age, there's you have a mix of personalities that you're dealing with. For sure, and in for sure. in today's day and age, 
you know, and you probably see it at the high school level and obviously here at GCU with the facilities and everything that Jacob's going to be uh, getting, whether it's, you know, nutrition plans, diets, right. all of that stuff, probably stuff that you guys got at the pro level, but not necessarily when you were in high school, Correct. college ball. for sure, yeah. Do you think that... Obviously, it's a benefit in, you know, the grand scheme of things. But, right. like, looking at it from, like, a mental standpoint, do you think it's an advantage having all of this stuff? Or do you think, you know, building that grit and determination came through, you know, like, not necessarily having all the stuff kind of laid out for you? Yeah. No, I think it's I think it's something that once you get out of high school, I mean, I mean, your metabolism is so high, you can yeah. eat a, probably a large pizza and, and not gain a pound, you yeah. know, so... And it's and it, and to a kid, a nutrition for them really doesn't play for 16, 17 year old because their metabolism is so high. And uh, I don't, I really don't have a lot of kids that buy into that just because they're they're kids. And I think once you get to that high school age where you're now baseball, in a sense, you're you know if you're in college baseball and you're on a scholarship, you're getting paid to play baseball in in in, in the way of school, uh, in the way of you know uh, your room and board stuff like that. So. Um, in a sense, now it is your job to maintain your scholarship every year, so you have to do those type of things and take care of your body and the weightlifting and stuff. I'm not a big weightlifter for high school mm-hmm. guys. I think it's, uh, for a lot of guys, it's too early. And I think that, you know, for me, and I tell people all the time, I said, I would never tell your son what I didn't tell mine. I didn't, would not let Jacob touch a weight until yeah. he came to Grand Canyon. And I said, those guys there, like, I know about lifting for, for players because that's what I did, but you're going to have a guy dedicated to the baseball program to get you guys weightlifting. And I said, and you're going to do it a lot. And so you don't need to do it now. You just need to be healthy. You, know, you need to play the game. You need to, to swing the bat. You need to play cat. All that good stuff that you need to do to get ready for college baseball. But the nutrition and all that stuff, it's, it's a really good step because you teach that. And they, because the you know pro level is going to do the same thing. Once oh, yeah. they get drafted and they're going into the minor leagues and stuff like that, it's going to be the same process. So learning it early is, is a really good deal. It's just... It's hard to buy, have a high schooler to buy in and be like, hey, let's, let's do vegetables and, right, you know, yeah. let's drink shakes. Like, they're they're all about double-doubles. And, you know, and you can't blame them. I was there, too. I, I have no problem with downing a large cheese pizza. <laughs> I know, once you get into that mentality, though, I feel like it's very easy and you're motivated to do it. I'm yeah. the same way. Like, I eat, I go to Longhorn Steakhouse, like, once a week. I'm a, I'm a regular here in Phoenix right. at the steakhouse, and I'm, like, 165 pounds. Right, like, yeah. I've been sixty for, like, the past four years. Yeah. And, yeah, again, like, that's very, very good of you, obviously, you know, to have a father who played 12 years in the big leagues. Like, you know what you're talking about. You know what you're doing. And right. you coached him, what, since he, he was nine years old? Yeah, I think, uh, well, full-time once I started, when I when I stopped playing, I, I would be in the offseason. I'd help out with this team, but I was never, like, the head coach because I yeah. don't feel like it was right for me to just kind of come back from a season to step in and be like, all right, I'm here now. Yeah. So I really didn't do full-time since, you know, 2012, but I think he was 11 was the first time I, I had him and then I had him through high school so it worked out he was going into high school and the high school job became available at my at my alma mater so it was like a kind of a perfect right. a perfect fit for that did you ever think like halfway through your career like okay this is what I want to do afterwards absolutely like, help yeah. the younger generation I loved it I, I fell in love with you know teaching something to a kid that who's 11 years old mm-hmm. that guys are being taught in the big leagues and have it work for them and have them to understand and ask questions and, and, and break down the game for them and see their eyes light up like, wow, I never thought of it like that. And really it's just about, you know, the biggest thing that, that major leaguers do really well is pre- they prepare. Yeah. They're able to come up with a program of, of what they need to do to be successful. And a lot of the times in the high school, you know, coming up in teenagers in high school, they don't, they don't have a program. They just step in the box, they play. And to break down what an at-bat looks like, what, how do you – 
what does it mean to be an on-deck hitter? What is your job? What are you supposed to be doing? What's your thought process? And when you teach those guys at a young age, that's when they can get to college and be way more prepared than most because those are the, those are things that you don't see at the high school level. You don't see guys really focusing on on-deck. They don't know how to have a plan. So the preparation really is the biggest thing that you can, that you can pass on and understand that what you're doing is practice is what you're going to do in yeah. the game. So you practice the right way and you prepare the right way and you're giving yourself the best chance to be successful. It doesn't mean you're going to be, mm-hmm. but it gives you a better chance for sure. How often does, you know, the baseball aspect of coaching kind of mesh with, you know, teaching life lessons at the same time? Because, again, these guys all are ball players. Like, that's right. their main ambition, their main goals moving forward. But at the same time, as a coach, you're kind of, again, molding them into becoming young professional men who are well-respected. Yeah. How often, you know, do those things mesh? Oh, absolutely, all the time. Uh, there's so many life lessons in the game you know discipline being a great teammate um, at some point unless you're the boss of your own company you're going to have teammates in whatever you do in whatever office you end up being if your office is a baseball field that's great but you know for most it's it's not and it's in different places you're going to have to interact with other people so learning those type of skills I mean there's so many similarities on what they can take on after they stop playing the game so and I point that I like I like to point that out like there's a lot of a lot of things that happen you know in baseball whether you're you're trying out, you don't make a team, like there are certain ways, there are certain paths you can go, you can quit or you can go get better, you know, and a lot of times in this generation you see a lot of guys quit or transfer and it's like the easy way out and, and I, I, I'm really against that because if you compete and whether you beat the guy out or you, or you, you do or you don't, whatever it may be, you're, you went out and you gave it the best shot, you didn't, yeah. you didn't look for the easy way and I think, I think that's, that's really important for these guys to understand that life is always going to be tough there's going to be tough times in life and you're going to have these uh you know these choices you have to make and try to point them in the right direction to make those choices not only for baseball but in everyday life yeah i mean you played in an era that was very competitive yep. like you look back at it now those guys are in the hall of fame the jeters the, right. the, the, the barry larkins the barry bonds the sammy sosas though they're not in the hall of fame right, at least man. not yet yeah uh, but do you think, and I don't want to use the word soft, but do you think that your generation of ball players was a little bit tougher in a sense because you had to deal with a little bit more adversity when it came to yeah? I up? think you know, I think the game, I think the game definitely caters towards towards the actual player, the individual. Now, mm-hmm. uh, your managers are more like clubhouse managers yeah. instead of game managers because you have these analytics saying that you need to play right. this guy, this guy. So it's a, before every manager just went off their gut feeling on what the best situation was and we had paperwork and we had stats and stuff to go off of but it wasn't it wasn't like okay this is yet you know this is black and white like you know you had a gut feeling and that's kind of why you see a lot of the older managers not around the Buck Walters. I mean right. Dusty Baker got it you know got back in the game thankfully and those are the type of guys that have a hard time with analytics and stuff mm-hmm. like that. Yeah. And you see a lot of guys that didn't have literally coaching experience being able to be managers because they're good player people, uh, which is great, and that's just the way the game is now, so it's a little bit different. But I wouldn't say tougher. I think that the players still work their butts off. I think they still take pride in what they do. It's a different ball game right now with the home runs and the strikeouts. So, um, you know, and the celebrations and the bat flips, that was not allowed back then. Like, yeah. Yeah, if you did that, it was – the next guy was getting it or you were getting it at the next at bat. So you just don't see that anymore. So it's just a little bit different, and it's, it's evolved in a certain way. But uh, that's kind of the reason why we chose GCU. And Stankwitz is an old-school baseball player. He loves guys that don't strike out and play defense. And that was kind of the exact same game I taught my kids. So it was very easy when we came down to make a decision on where we wanted to go. And, again, it's his first coach since 
Yeah. Again, what, nine years old when, when Absolutely. he took over? Absolutely, yeah. Who some of his first coaches, just dads in the just area? Just dads. Yeah. Just dads. That's kind of usually how everybody goes. And then, you know, like I said, I was fortunate enough that that, get, that job came, and, and really I let him make that decision. I said, listen, you're going into high school, and this is available. It's going to be, I don't you know, it's tough being, you know, it's already tough being a, a big leaguer's son, but now you're going to be big leaguer's head varsity coach's son, and that's a whole different yeah. ballgame for that age group. And so I let him make that decision, and he was he was fine with it. So, you know, he played JV. He wasn't on the varsity team his freshman year. He wasn't on my team. I, I didn't get to see him play very much at all that year. And then as a sophomore, he, he was uh, he was ready to start that process. So it, it ended up working out. It was a great four years, and really our, our relationship is so much stronger now going through that oh, yeah. and understanding what that relationship is. And now we now I get to be a complete super fan, you know, <laughs> and then – you know, we talk about the game in the car, and we break down certain things, and it's and it's 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 just a really cool relationship right now because this is hard. Like being a freshman and playing against these teams this early is a, is very difficult, and there's so many learning aspects that he's that he's had already in different at bats and different situations. So yeah. we've had some really cool conversations over the last week and a half. So how how was the decision you know making when it came to picking GCU? Like what were some of the other offers? And again, you were talking about Coach Stankowitz, kind of also like the faith and Christian aspect of it too. It right. sounds like a GCU cliche question, yeah. but yeah. you know, like what were the, some of those certain factors and what were the other schools that were involved? Well, it was guys? almost like it was it was kind of fate in a sense because Stank- Andy Stankowitz was the minor league coordinator for the Mariners when I was in the big okay. leagues and on my off days in spring training I wanted to go take ground balls with the younger minor league guys because I had that coaching thing right, going yeah, yeah. and I, and he would be the guy I would go to and say hey you know I'll, I don't know I have a day off today I'll take some ground balls who are some of the guys you think would want to talk shop and you know and talk the game and I would go through him so we had that relationship a little bit and then uh, I actually went back to GCU online and got my degree after I was done playing. Oh, wow. So I did the whole computer, uh, you know, thing. You're alumni. Yeah, I'm alumni. <laughs> I got my degree uh, in 2018. I walked here. I came out and I walked in the, in the ceremony the whole nine yards. But uh, they gave me, when I, when I signed up, they gave me a, a student ID. And so when he was in eighth grade, I really wanted to get him excited about college baseball and the prospect of doing that. So I flew, we flew out here on a weekend. I had a student ID so I can go to Thunder Alley. I could take him anywhere on the campus because I, yeah. I was a student. We could check out basketballs and shoot in the gym, and he fell in love with the place. Uh, I probably spent a 1000 bucks in the loaf shop that weekend, and next thing you know, half of our <laughs> wardrobe's purple. And uh, he just fell in love with the place, and, and uh, you know, we started sending video and, and information to Greg Wallace, the recruiting mm-hmm. coordinator, and Stanky, and just kind of stayed in touch, and they would come out and watch him play when we played tournaments out in Arizona. And, uh, you know, but we had, you know, we had an interest in some other schools, but that was... Like, we were talking to Pepperdine. Um, you know, he was slowly growing. So, But I think he committed to GCU before his sophomore year of high school. Like, it was really, really early. But I knew, and I told him at the time, and I said, you're not going to understand this, but it is going to be the best place for you because of who the people are there, the Christian aspect, the life, the, you know, the lifestyle, the coaching staff. I mean, I, I'm handing you off to somebody that I trust. Yeah. And that's Andy Stakewitz and Greg Wallace. Like they've, they've, they've liked you from the beginning. They never stopped liking you. They came to all your stuff. They always checked in on you. And that stuff means a lot as a dad. So for me, that was, that was, there was a no-brainer for me. And I'll tell a quick story. My son and I used to always, growing up, everywhere I played, we'd go to Dave & Buster's. Yeah. And you, if you got 10,000 tickets, you can go to the, the, the player, the, the prize place and pick out a prize. And there was a thing called a hidden treasure, and it was a signed baseball inside. It could be a minor league all-star all the way up to a, a Hall of Famer. We, I mean, we pulled a uh, – what did we pull? We, in one of them, we pulled 
gosh, uh, not the guy from the Cardinals. I'm blanking on his name for some. Stan Musial. Okay, yeah. So, like, crazy stuff. So, one, so we have this meeting with GCU in the summer, and it's just, he, they just started about, you know, basically offered us a scholarship. We went to David Buster's about a month later out here in Arizona, and we went in there, we picked a ball, and we opened it up, and it was Tim Salmon. Really? And I said, I'm sorry, son. This decision is over. What are the odds that literally the, the player that spent the most time in the big leagues, rookie of the year, the biggest player in probably GCU history, out of all the balls we could have gotten after this meeting, we got a Tim Salmon. So was I was like, it was absolute meant to be. Oh, my God. Yeah, it was crazy. Insane. It was crazy. We have the ball at home. It's it's in a special package, and it's, it means a lot because uh, we, we, we are living in faith with our family, and we do believe that God sends us signs on what we should do. If we just pay attention, we, we stay patient, and we look for them. And that right there, it couldn't have been a bigger oh sign ever to say, hey, this is going to be the right spot that you're going to go. So from then on, he didn't question anything. He's like, all right, yeah, we're going. Like, and this is it. Did you recognize that off the bat, or was he kind of bummed that it wasn't staying? We videotaped it. We oh, videotaped really? it, and like, dude, it's over. Like, <laughs> because we've gotten probably 30 balls, and you could, from Negro League All-Stars to Hall of Famers to minor league guys, We've, you know, we've had guys that never panned out, and you're just like, the odds of us getting a Tim Salmon ball yeah. a month after you got offered a scholarship, there's, there, that's not, that is a plan in oh place God. that God has placed for you, and that is like the most obvious sign I think I've ever seen that God has ever given my family. So it was the coolest, it was really the coolest thing, and you know, it, it really rests his heart because, you know, he, he was so young. Oh he was my so God, young. Yeah. He was 16 years old and, and trying to figure out what life's going to be like at 18, 19 years old. And that's that's really hard for a kid to understand. Knowing dad knows that. I'm like, hey, you got to trust me. This is going to be the spot. But then God says, no, you trust me. Here's a Tim Salmon ball. Here's your sign. <laughs> Here's your sign. Oh, my God. And that's such a great motivator, too, because, again, like, young kid in high school, to your credit, like, there's so many kids, 99% of kids out there, 15, 16, 17 years old, they're nervous, they're scared because they don't know what they're going to do. They right. don't know what the next step of their life is. And Jacob has, again, this motivator to say, like, okay, here's, you know, a glimpse into my future, what it can look like. Right. And, right. like, his, because I looked at his numbers in high school, like you said, like, didn't start out on varsity, had right. to work his way up, had to earn his spot on yeah. your squad. You know, his average jumped in yeah, each of yeah. those three years yep. playing at the varsity level. Yeah. You know, like, went from, you know, uh, mid-200s to 330 all the way up to, what, 583 right. year before it got cut yeah. Well, I think to him, that, and we talk about it all the time, the best thing that ever happened to him was that sophomore year. It was the first time he'd actually failed. I mean, he, he had to learn what it meant like to fail and how do you work out of it. Yeah. And a lot of those kids in high school have that problem when they get to college because they were so good. They go to college, and, and you face Missouri, and you face you know, right. SEC teams or Pac-12 teams or whatever it may it's be early on, on, and yeah. it's really difficult to learn to have that so it's almost good like when they do struggle a little bit in high school to, to step back and say okay you have to figure out what works for you this is what works for me it doesn't necessarily mean that's going to work for you but and he worked his whole sophomore year and slowly those numbers crept up at the end of the year so he finished kind of decent but the most important thing was he failed and he had to make adjustments to to his practices how he did work off the field and he carried that into his junior year and it was a little bit better yeah. like you said and then he carried Probably the most intense off-field workout that I had ever seen. Like, he was determined. And I think he knew, I got to get ready to go to Grand Canyon. And this is my last senior season. I want to leave my senior season in a great note. I want to win another Marmonte League championship. And his preparation and his routine on a date basis was 
I hadn't seen anything like that. Wow. And, I, and I was completely out of it. It had nothing to do with me. It was T-work. It was headphones. It was taking ground balls, throwing balls off a wall, and just picking the ball off the wall. And and that's where he got to the point where, where he was ready to play every every game and, and give him the best chance to be successful. It was it was fun to watch, for sure. So that was probably one of his like more prime-motivated you know times of his life, getting ready. Because, again, like you do have that target on the wall, like, okay, this is where I want to be, right. and this is what I'm going to do to get it. And yeah. like, you as a coach, like you know, growing up, coaching him throughout his entire childhood, like you can coach him all you want, but he's got to be the Absolutely. one that puts in the work. Right? I said, I'll, I'll throw to my arms dead, but I'm never going to ask you to hit. I said, if you want to hit, I will throw to you till I can't feel it. You want curveballs, you want sliders, change-ups, I'll figure out a way to get all that stuff to you and whatever you want, but it's going to be it's gonna be something you're going to have to want. And I said, you gotta, you got to put out your goals. What do you want to do? you got to make goals. And, you know, his one of his goals was, like, I want to have a great senior season and I want to I want to be ready to go to GCU and make some sort of impact as a freshman, whether it was a guy off the bench or maybe winning a role halfway through the year, whatever it may be. Because, I mean, everybody knows that coming to a D1 school and being a freshman – Earning a starting spot is really, really difficult. Oh, yeah. And I and I and I told him, I said, listen, all you can do is prepare the best you can do, and when you get out there, you just be you. You don't try to do more than you already are. And I said, and then all that stuff will, it'll, it'll, you know, it'll fall where where it falls. And whether you're a starter in the beginning of the season, or you you're a bench guy, or they use you for defense, or whatever it may be, it's it's your first year, and you just you do with the best with 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 what you're given and the opportunities you're given. So it's been crazy I mean it's been crazy to watch like how it's unfolded and stuff like that and to see three freshmen getting opening day starts yeah. and getting a lot of starts early is really fun to really fun to see and along with the veterans we have I think it's a phenomenal squad I'm, I'm excited to watch them this year I mean talk about earning a position too because with expanded rosters this oh my year, gosh there's like a gajillion guys on I the didn't team. see this coming at all I don't, yeah. I don't I mean, and I think obviously as a freshman you have the goal of saying okay I want to I want to be a starter, and that's yeah. a pretty lofty goal. And I said, you know what, that is a great goal to have, and just stick with that. Just work every day, do the best you can. Don't ever be more than you already are, because you're here because they liked you because you did this. Once you step in there and you try to do something else, like one of the main things I told him is like your first batting practice at GCU, on the, after that whatever third day of school, whatever it is, your heart's going to be pumping so much. And, like, other guys might be there, and they're just going to start hitting homers. Mm-hmm. That is not your game. Right. Like, you're a line drive barrel guy who's hard to strike out that's who you have to be because that's who they wanted when they offered you a scholarship like hit the ball to the right side do it just be you the entire time don't ever try to come out of your shell because you'll get better as you go you'll get stronger you'll get faster whatever it means and your game will change but for right now this is the game that you do best and those are the things you have to stick with so little little hints like that where you try to tell them and realize like this is the thing that's going to get you the best chance to, to get in a lineup and help a team out and you know, whatever that is, falls where it where it falls, and he had a amazing fall and a really good some really good practices that earned the trust of the, of the coaching staff. And I, I sit here today and I still in in disbelief that he's been able to start oh, yeah. the first six games of the year. I keep looking at my phone and he keep texting he keeps texting me, batting second hitting or batting second playing third, batting second playing third. And I'm just like, wow, this is really. You almost get emotional in a way because oh God, it, yeah. because he set a, a really lofty goal for himself. 
And up to this point, and I told him, I said, if you're the opening day starter, that means you're guaranteed to play one game. Yep. And you need to keep that in mind. That's right. If you want to be a starter, you got to go out there and, and be and earn that starting role every single day that you're on that field because nothing in this game is going to be handed to you, oh, yeah. regardless of what you've done in the past. And I said, you want to be the opening day starter, be the opening starter. You want to be the game two starter, be the game two starter. And you just go throughout the season. If you always have that mentality, you're always going to push yourself to be the best you can possibly be. I mean, that's the right mentality to have. Yeah. Did he always uh, value your advice, even at a young age? No. No. I think it, it's when it gets to this this point, and you really get into the mental side of the game, yeah. like like breaking down the 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 bases loaded, nobody out batting uh, on Friday night. Yeah. Breaking that down. What does that mean? What can you learn from it? You're a freshman. You're facing a dude on the mound from Oregon State. He goes, nobody out, bases loaded. I was like, that is a tough moment to be in as a young player. You're gonna, and he was super amped. He, man, he likes to wiggle that bat and likes to hit that, you know, toe tap his toe. And it was going faster than probably I have ever seen it. And I said, and I said, you know what, Jake? I was there so many times in my career, and I failed so many times in my career, but I learned from it. And that was the most important thing. Is like, you know what? It was unfortunate it happened. Yeah. And these things are gonna happen as long as you learn from those things. And he told me yesterday, he got up with a man on second base after the Colado collision. Yep. And he said he felt complete calmness. And, I, and then I said, and he got the base hit. And I said, that was that conversation that we had that I was able to share from my failures as a, as a player allowed him to hopefully make him feel calm. And then he comes up with, with a big hit in a big situation. So that's the stuff that really has been over the last year or so probably be our closest moments because it's not negative right it's all positive and it's to understand that baseball is a process it's really really difficult to go out there and play a game and face pitchers that are 23 years old you're 18 you know it's it, none, none of this, it, baseball is hard enough as it is let alone be an 18 year old freshman facing you know top pitchers from a pac-12 conference and or you know sec and then oklahoma state next week it's a it's a tough ticket and and you have a really good whack schedule so it's like Everything this year is going to be new. As long as you learn from it, as long as you stay upbeat and positive, like you're going to help your team. Yeah. You're going to help your team in whatever thing, whatever they ask you to do. I mean, the failures, in a sense, are almost way more. I don't because again, failing is not better than succeeding. But failing, you learn a lot more. Absolutely, like you have that chip on your shoulder after you fail to be like, all right, here's what I have to learn from this, and then make the adjustment. Absolutely, I, I talked to them about my rookie year, and they said, you know what, everybody that gets up there the rookie year is almost expected to fail. Yeah. But what they really look at is the second year. Like, were you able to fail, and were you able to make the adjustments needed to? to help a team win the following year. That's why they call that sophomore jinx. Because sometimes right, yeah. sometimes rookies guys get up there and they kill it, and then the book is out on you, and then people understand where they start pitching you, and then they then they just keep going there, and you and you don't make that adjustment. So for him, it's, it's just constantly making adjustments. you got four-game series, so pay attention to how they're throwing you. How are they pitching you? Are they moving in and out? What are the counts? All that stuff is something that, you know, nowadays you're paying attention to because in high school you don't necessarily have that. Mm-hmm. Uh, you have a couple game series, but you also don't probably don't have the intellect on a on a catching side or even a head coach side to understand how to pitch certain ways and certain stuff. So when you get into college baseball and it's D one, that's they're always going to have that. Every team is going to have that. So learn, always learn, and it, no matter where you go, if you if you're, I'm still learning. I love to come to Stanky's practice and listen to what he says. Yeah. And and I talk to Jake. What do you guys do? What are your thought processes? How is your BP? Because if you always are looking to get smarter in this game. Like, you're, 
it's going to benefit people around you. You know, whether you're a coach or you're a player, because he can he can learn things. And there's it might be a freshman coming in that next that next year that's an infielder. And Channy and Colado are teaching him stuff right now that he's going to be able to pass on. Oh yeah. It's like always be open minded in this game to what to what's out there. Yeah, networking is giving. In Absolutely. A sense, right. Absolutely. I mean, that's that's insane. Like, I guess it really wasn't even close for you guys when it came to picking a school. Cause oh he, no. He chose so early. And no. You had the connection right yeah, there. Yeah, we had the connection, and it was hard for him. It really was at a 16 year old. You know, because he was like. That's three years away. Most yeah. guys don't commit by sophomore year. Oh, yeah. uh, at the time, was, when we had the meeting here in, in Stanky's office at the field, was like, we've never offered a guy this early before. And I thought that was a huge deal coming from, you know, where Stanky is, what he's done in this program, what he's done in his career, where Greg is. And I, and I thought that was the ultimate compliment oh, yeah. at that point to how much they, that they thought that he could be a guy for them at some point. So... So it was tough. It was really tough for him to understand. He really had to rely on me to, to really say, you're, you're going to get to a point where you're going to thank me for this. <laughs> and I understand right now that's not. this is not going to be the time. Like, okay, Dad. But I just want you to know that I will always have your best interest at heart. And yeah. if I'm telling you that this is the perfect place for you to go and hopefully make an impact freshman year, which is where I tell all my kids, find a place that you can make an impact freshman year that you're going to get an opportunity to do something uh, because there's a lot of kids that go to really really big schools and they really like to wear the big hoodies to school every day with a gigantic Stanford or UCLA or whatever and it's really cool but they, you don't see them get very many opportunities in that freshman year and that's such a big deal because now they go in their sophomore year and now they are a starter because they're guys but they've never they haven't had any experience mm-hmm. and so that kind of it doesn't set them back in a sense right. but it's it's always nice because if you can get a certain amount of starts, a certain amount of bats your freshman year, that's just set you up for a really good sophomore year because now it's you've been there, you've done that. Yeah. So it's, I always tell people, don't think about the name. Don't think about the division. Just find a place where a coach likes you and he's going to give you an opportunity. Early. Right. That can almost be said for any student in general. Because, yeah. again, like you're looking at the big schools. Like I, I grew up in Jersey on the East Coast, so everybody's like, oh, Penn State or Ohio State. Like go to like a big school, a big branded name school. It's like yeah. it really, it really doesn't matter. Like you're going to find where you're going to go. Absolutely. And like in your case, you know, finding the Tim Salmon baseball card. Like that's just like the guy's named after the, yeah, the, exactly. the clubhouse. Like, yeah. I mean, that's a telltale sign and then of course you have this beautiful stadium that yeah. he gets to play at hopefully over the next four years yeah, like this absolutely. is one of the more nicer college baseball stadiums you know in the country at yeah. least for like definitely in the whack but like for our you know time frame in our division yeah. like this is the best facility that you could have asked yeah you for. hear it from a lot of guys that come in and visit i've had a lot of players that i've had dealt with over the last couple of years that have come and played against gcu and they said they love this place so i mean we came to games here when it was the yellow rooftop yeah. and with the with the, the tin seats and stuff like that so we, we were here for that and to see where not only the baseball stadium's gone but the but the the campus the softball field the soccer stadium oh just because we used to walk around this place all the time like whenever we were in arizona we would just come by because i had my card so it was like <laughs> we know i think we know this place like when wally was like hey we're gonna take you around i'm like yeah you kind of don't need to but if you want because we we yeah. knew this place like the back of our hands we we eat at all the places we knew where we definitely knew where chick-fil-a was and <laughs> right yeah. so we come coming back and there's there's new stuff so it's pretty cool there's gonna be a lazy river here apparently next year <laughs> no they're way building, they're making buildings all the way past I, missouri i Avenue, saw that i saw that Apparently they're putting in a lazy river. It's going to cost a little extra for tuition, apparently, but hey, I guess okay. they're putting one in. If you got a lazy river, it's worth it. That's going to be a, that's going to be 
be a packed yeah, lazy river. You might have to sign up for that. Oh my god, it's my senior <laughs> year too. I won't, I won't be here for that. But, uh, so, where does this ballpark rank for you among you know not only college ballparks but pro parks that you've played across your career? Is, I've always liked minor league parks and, and college parks because yeah. they're they're more personal. They're short, they're smaller. You know, so you so you're closer to the field. You're not paying extensional amount of dollars to go sit up next right, to a yeah. like me. I always love. Even if I go just watch one of my other kids play college baseball, um, I love just sitting next to a dugout and listening to how a coach deals with with certain situations. What's it, what's his verbiage? What does he like to say? So I, I've, this place, to me, by far has been the best college stadium that I've been to, for sure. And I think it's just, you know, it's just a combination of the look of it. It's a beautiful design. Um, everything's out in front of you. Yeah. Everything's close. Um you know, and it's just real personal, and you just feel like you're, you know, like you're more in the game when you're close like that. Oh, yeah. You can, like, I can almost have full conversations with Jacob, and he's at third base, and he's kind of just going, like, he's asking certain things with his with his hands, and just a language that we know that we know, and certain looks that we can have to each other to, to give each other hints on what's going on in their minds and stuff like that. So it's, I love it. I think it's awesome. Have you been sitting down the third baseline? No, I won't. I won't get near him on defense. I, I yeah. sit. I sit, but he kind of looks up sometimes. Uh, like on like on when he's on deck, and yeah. he'll catch eyes with me, and he and he has that look in his eyes, like, hey, what do you think? And and usually it's like, hey, what do you think is going to throw first pitch here, or something like that, where he's just he just gives, and it's not, and I always tell him, I said, hey, you don't take my word for it, but what I'm saying, if I'm I'm studying this stuff, this is this is how I would see, or if I see him, like um, like kind of lunging a little bit because he's excited, you know, that his head's shifting, so yeah. I'll give him a, like a little like a little thing and say, hey, your head's moving forward. And just that little thing can give him that that little bit to, to remind him on deck, hey, practice on making sure you're not drifting. Yeah. Stuff like that. And, you know, I love that he relies on me like that because mm-hmm. I was his third base coach forever, mm-hmm. and I could easily just do it in the middle of it at bat. And I don't want to give him too much because I do want him to learn how to, to make those adjustments on his own. Oh, yeah. But but early on, your, your, your freshman year is hard enough. I was like, so if I can help him in any ways. But I don't see him you know, going forward maybe you know, a couple years down the road. I think that he's going to be able to make those adjustments on his own. It's good that you guys have built that relationship at this point. Because, yeah. again, like, I remember me, like, obviously my dad, he's, what, a pharmaceutical sales rep. You've played in pros for 12 <laughs> okay. years. It's a little different. Right, you know, right. Having your dad play at that professional level, he's got a, great, a lot of great insight. Mm-hmm. But for him to, you know, finally to be at that stage where it's just like, yeah, like, I'm glad that I can come to you for advice. Yeah. As opposed to just being like, come on, dad. Like, leave yeah, because honestly. Honestly, he could, he could say, screw you, I'm a college baseball player now, and I would be okay with that too because, yeah. it, you know, you're 18 years old, you're a young man, you're living on your own. You know, you have decisions to make and, and, and your approach to kind of come up with, and you don't have dad down on the third base coach to give you little hints yeah. in between pitches because I see something. So, you know, I I love that the fact that he is – He's to that point where he can. He, he's never going to get upset, upset that I see something, because he, he's looking for it. He wants to know because he wants he wants to help this team win, win baseball games when he can. So, I think it, that's that's the kind of in the forefront of his mind. So you you guys said you had a house out here in Chandler. So yeah. you're going to hopefully make it out to every weekend series. I try as much as I can for sure. Also being the head coach back at Thousand Oaks. <laughs> yes. Yeah, we have a lot, a lot of weekday of games. It's a lot of baseball, and I love it too. I I love being on a baseball field. My players know, like, our season doesn't start till the 19th of March, so our players know 100% that, like, when it comes to the, you know, during the week, they, they have me, and then they know on the weekends, that I'm, I'm super fan. I'm, yeah. I'm GCU, Lopes, fan, coming to as many games as possible, you know, 
watching these guys, cheering these guys on, and, and just en enjoying it. Because then you know, like like anything, it's going to go by so fast. Oh yeah. You know, you, you play here for four years, it's going to be it's going to go so quick. So I, I really want to enjoy, in a sense, not being his coach and just being dad and being that that ear to, to be there for him. And, and if I give him any insight, that'll help him. Uh, just because I was coached for so long, I mean, mm -hmm. I'm excited to be dad fan. You know, oh, yeah. so. This, this is where I want to be. And I'm not coaching anymore after this year. Oh, so right. I'll even be even more able to to, to be out here and, and watch. And I really want to be able to do that. So I won't have any restrictions anymore so after this, this year. So this is your farewell season. This is a farewell weeks. season. Wow. That's, yo, you just, you're the first one. You heard it here. <laughs> wow. I actually have, I actually, no, I haven't announced it. I actually have an interview with a local paper actually today because they, I told my parents and one of the parents happened to read, you know, tell the, the reporter. So I had to deal with that. But I wanted to stick around. And I just, for me and where my girl is at, I, I miss a lot of my, my girls play soccer. Yeah. I miss a lot of that stuff because of the baseball thing. I'll stay in the program as like an assistant that I can kind of come in and right, out and, yeah, and still yeah. help because this is my, honor, my, my, yeah, you know, my yeah. alma mater. I want to be there. I want to be present. I'm not going to just leave uh, and say, hey, see you guys. Um, thanks for the good times. <laughs> you know, so I'll still, I'll still be, you know, in, in you know, the mix and stuff like that. But I, I definitely want to have the ability we want to move out here, too, eventually, and we don't know when that's going to be. We're waiting on God to say, okay, now you go. And that hasn't happened yet, so we're, right. I just, we're being patient on that because California's a little nutso. Oh, yeah. Uh, it's been like that for the last couple of years, and it's kind of we've been you know, leaning this way, so we're just waiting for him to push us over and say that now is the time. So, but we also want to respect Jacob living on his own and being on his own for the first time. So. We'll see, we'll see what God has in store for us, for right. sure. As soon as he comes out here, the family makes I know, we're all moving. And, just one and my after. daughters are like, no, we're not. We're, <laughs> all of our friends are here. We're in high school. This oh, is not working. It is. It is. Yeah. They're not happy. But like I said, it's it's one of those things that, that it will become obvious. It'll be a God sign that says, okay, it's now time to go. We already have the place here that, that we come back and... And, and visit and we have we have to our you know, availability so right. it's, it's put in place we're just waiting for it and they're playing soccer you guys all played soccer right? yeah yep uh, Jacob played until high school and then I that was my main sport all the way through high school baseball was secondary for wow. sure and then went to baseball when I went to college when I went to junior college I focused just on baseball but that was the first time I did so I was mostly soccer wow. and then my girls play soccer so that makes me super happy wow. so I get to watch I get to watch soccer worlds, yeah. yeah so I, I'm and Jacob was was quite good as well and I just think his heart was so into baseball that you know when it came to high school he really wanted to focus on being a good baseball player and getting a college scholarship. I mean, that's nuts that it was your second choice and then it turns out that it's basically become your what yeah. you're known for over the past 20 years or so. Yeah it's weird I mean I still like to this day soccer is still my favorite sport. I have a passion for baseball for sure. Yeah. I love the game but a lot of the things I learned in soccer, like transferred over with the footwork. I was a forward, so I had to have quick feet. And you had to make quick movements, and that really helped me being a shortstop. I didn't know at the time that, that it would, but uh, to be able to, you know, get good reads, make plays, like get on your feet real quick, um, a lot of that came from my soccer background. That's unbelievable. And then, of course, it's what you're known for now as, a, as a, again, 12-year veteran, all-star, you know, jersey sales, hats, you know, merchandise. You get your own bobbleheads, right? Too. Yeah. I heard that you uh, bought your own bobbleheads. I do. On eBay. I do. I I'm an idiot they because they do. They do. They send you cases of them. The uh, like the year that they come out, they uh, you know they give them away at the stadium, but then they'll send you a bunch to have at their house. Yeah. And uh, I was cleaning out the garage like maybe six months ago, 
and I realized I had two bobbleheads. I had one with a gray uniform from in like 2007 or something like that, and then I had one in like 2004 that was a white uniform. And I had still had like two full boxes of the white ones, but I I had like two, like just two gray ones. And I'm like, oh my gosh, I gave away all my gray ones. And apparently I didn't get enough gray, uh, as many grays as I did the whites. So I literally started going on eBay buying them because I'm like, they're cheap. They're like 10 bucks. But I'm like, I got, I got grandkids that are going to like, <laughs> yeah. and stuff like that. And I don't have anything to, so I, I did an inventory and I made sure that I had enough. So I got enough now. But I go on eBay all the time because there's certain baseball cards that, like, they had you sign certain ways. They give you, like, a blank card and write anything you want on it. And one of them I wrote Jacob's birthday on. And yeah. I found it. I paid 50 bucks for my own card oh my because it was one of one. And yeah. I gave it to him for his birthday. And he had no idea that I ever made a card that had his birthday on it. So it had his birthday in my signature. And and I, somebody put it on eBay, and I had just happened to click on it at one time, and it was there, and I and I snatched it right away. Do they ever see who's buying it? Because, again, I would look at it like Jack Wilson's buying Jack Wilson's yeah. baseball card. Yeah, it's, like- it's, it's my wife's name, and it's not a name. It's not an eBay, like, user yeah, name that you, yeah, could, yeah. that you could probably, you know, link to the two. So it's under my wife's name anyways, and, you know, it gets sent to a P.O. box. So it's, mm-hmm. it's all stuff like that. And I did buy, like... Uh, uh, some guy had like 30 numbered rookie cards yeah. and I bought it and it was a sports store in Pittsburgh and I actually reached out to the guy and said hey listen if you ever have stuff and I introduced myself and he and like we hit it off so I'm like if you ever have any stuff this is my email address because that's the stuff I would love to have for my kids and my grandkids and stuff like that because you just don't find stuff right, like that yeah. anymore like 30 numbered cards like those are all different colorways and stuff like that so I'm, I, I have no problem with buying. <laughs> I'm buying presents for my grandkids. That's just what I think about it. You know? oh, yeah. It all just goes into the storage thing, and then I have it for them, and then give them off to my to my kids when they get old and yeah. you know stuff like that. Things for them to have. Good family, man. Yeah, I'm sure I try. Again, like all the traditional stuff going out the window, everything's on this. Yes, right? right? Exactly. It's kind of lame. Yeah. But uh, last question for you. I don't want to take too much of your time, and the broadcast starts in like 20 minutes or so, yeah. so I probably got to get out of here soon too. But, you know, you talk about the faith aspect, mm-hmm. you know, that the, the Tim Salmon and, you know, the Stan Musial baseball card story with you and Jacob is just I mean, astonishing. Yeah. That, that's nuts. That blew my mind. You know, you, but you, again, you talk about the faith thing, and again, it's kind of a GCUS question to ask. Right. But, like, when did you figure out at a young age that, you know, your faith played a big role? Or what kind of, like, life experience did you have that kind of, you know, molded that mindset for you? Well, just a couple, like, I grew up going to church, and then, uh, and then unfortunately, baseball, uh, sports became something that our, our family turned to on Sundays. Yeah. So I went a while without it, and then I met my my angel, my wife, yeah. who was very, her, her, her family was very strong in the faith, so um, got back into it, but still was, in a sense, still not all in, I guess you could say. Right. And then, so, finally went all in in 2000, I mean, I, I asked for Christ in my heart, I believe in 1999, but then did the full baptism uh, in spring training oh, wow. in 2004. Um, and uh, three days later, we lost. We, we had a miscarriage, so it was like immediately. Like I felt like I was, I was getting tempted by Satan to be like, I just gave my life to Christ like, yeah. completely, and this just happened. And I have, a, we, I was so at peace with it, and I ended up being an All Star that year. And everything, like I had 200 hits, everything happened that year. And uh, you know, not like I needed any proof or anything, but it was, it was one of those things where. I, I was playing for more than myself at that point. And I think, you know, 
that was I always wanted to make sure that that God was on the forefront that I was going to make him proud in whatever I did whatever I said how my actions were because he was blessing me with a platform and I that that's really really important to understand that when you're in front of people and you're on TV and you say there's some sort of fan base or whatnot they watch and they listen to everything you say so yeah. I, as much as I could I gave him the glory every single time because I wanted people to under, to know that that's that's what made me go. That's what made me go out and play the way that they liked how I played. And the reason why they liked me is because I was I was centered. I couldn't get up or couldn't get down because it was all part of the plan. And I and I literally drew a cross in every inning that I played uh, over by shortstop and said a little prayer. I said, just please keep me safe. Please keep our players safe and everybody and, and the teams and everybody in the stands. And it was and everybody thought like, oh, you're. You're putting a cross to get a hit, I was like, or to make a web jam. I was like, no, it was for safe. I just wanted everybody there to be safe, to enjoy the night, and and so that became a part of my thing. And people people saw that and they recognized that, and that was my hope to oh, understand man, that man. that that's what I that's what I w- was hoping to expand his kingdom in any way I possibly could you know, through the blessings he was giving me to be a professional athlete. I mean, it's also, I feel like, really good to surround yourself with people in, like, a similar mindset in that sense. Absolutely, people, yes. Again, who are going to, at the end of the day, make you more equipped and make you better overall and happier as a human being, right? Right, absolutely. I think that, I mean, you're, a lot of your faith is going to be based on, on the people that are around oh, you. Yeah. Uh, having family that believes in the same things and, and, and that people. And then, you know, knowing about GCU... Um, you know, a lot of people are here for the for the faith-based part of it and understanding that and being able to pray before a game that if you go to any other college game, it's usually not happening. So I love it when other teams come here and you see them bowing their heads because a GCU student is praying before the game yeah. because they're not getting that anywhere else. You know, So I love that, that they can come here and they can know that they're that, that it's okay to pray and it's okay to do that. And, and we do it every game here at GCU, and I, that's that's one of the things that attracted me so much to it when we first started to come to games when Jacob was in eighth grade. Well, I really wish uh, Jacob the best of luck over hopefully these next four years. Yeah, that thank very, you. Like, again, a prime time in his life where he looks back and, like, these could have been the four best years of your life. Absolutely. You know, forward in life. I wish you well uh, thank uh, you. in your final season as well yeah. at Thousand Oaks. Hope to see you more here at the ballpark. We got an open uh, microphone in the broadcast booth. Oh, yeah. Absolutely. Again, I'm by myself all week. <laughs> so very cool. Jump on for a half inning if you want. All right. Absolutely. Would actually love to That'd hear be that cool. Salmon story absolutely. If you're available. But, again, thank you so much. So much for uh, joining me again the lopes and the beavers 2 p.m at mountain state time you catch that game on youtube.com slash gcu i'm so boned i forgot to get my girl tickets for the show tomorrow and now it's sold out it's her freaking birthday oh dude she's only gonna break up with you she's definitely gonna break up with me should have used tick pick wait what'd you say tick pick look oh whoa, whoa, whoa. Dude. what there are no hidden fees What'd you guys think I said? Oh, tick pick. I thought you said tick pick. No hidden fees. Download today. Thank you for listening to Believe. You can show support to your host by subscribing to the show and giving us a five star rating on your preferred platform. Check us out at Believe.com and search for B L E A V on YouTube.